0: To Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This morning we're going to continue to look at the petition. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But before we do that, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to read that prayer together. Let's pray. Blessed God, come and give us understanding lord help us to pray as you teach us give us a desire for prayer give us an increased desire for prayer and communion with you in prayer lord give us understanding as we learn what these petitions mean and their implications lord help us Help us, O Lord. Increase our knowledge. Increase our understanding, Lord, that our obedience would increase. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, let's stand as um, we honor the Lord and read His Word. Matthew chapter 6. I want to begin reading at verse 9. Now pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive have forgiven our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen you may be seated Brothers and sisters, as this morning as we continue to look at this third petition, which is, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I want to continue to help us understand what we are petitioning God for. Now last week, in last week's sermon, I mainly focused upon that will which is the secret will of God. That is, when we think, when we when we come in contact with God's will in Scripture, there are many facets to God's will. There is a secret will. There is a will that only the Godhead knows. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when... When God reveals to us this secret will, we call that God's providence. We call that God's providence. That is, we are unaware of what blessing the next hour holds for us. We are unaware of any difficulty of the next hour. We're unaware of any difficulty of the night or tomorrow or next week. We don't know What God's will is in relationship to our living. And God unfolds and unveils His secret will often to us in our everyday conditions. And we have a role or at least a responsibility to make sure that we respond to that providence in a way that's pleasing to God and becoming of a son and daughter of God. And that's called obedience. It's called submission. When the confession talks about in the catechisms submission to his will, that's what it is referring to. It's referring to our, that is, our spiritual fathers in drafting a, a, a system of understanding, teaching of scripture that we ought to learn submission. To the providence of God. What happens when we are faced with um, tremendous blessings? How do we respond? Do we take credit for it? Do we um, forget who is the great blesser of heaven? how what how do we respond when we come in contact with tremendous blessings in the same way the same thing is true as it relates to difficulties what happens when we have a a, a medical diagnosis we are not wanting what happens when we lose our job what happens when we face many obstacles in our marriages what happens when we when we face any number of difficulties? How do we respond? Well this petition helps us it clarifies how we are to respond. We ought to pray thy will be done. That is it whether it be a blessing, or whether it be a difficulty, Lord, I pray, I call upon you that your will be done first and foremost in my own life. And that means dealing with and addressing every living circumstance that I find myself in. Andre and I were talking just last week, I believe about or a week so ago about um, providential situations in which we can glorify the name of God. You see, all of these first three petitions that we've dealt with all pertain to the very first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It's all related to, that is, and how we pray is all related to that very first commandment that we would hallow his name, glorify him. That we would pray for his kingdom to come. That he would advance the, the, the kingdom of grace and the gospel dispensation in Christ. That it would cover the whole earth. And that all men, families, marriages, nations, communities, uh, leaders would all find their place, in, in, in their, their humble place in this kingdom. And now we're talking about His will being done. And that we pray, O oh Lord, as You unfold that providential will, that secret will to me in my life, in the life of my home and family, in the life of my friends and my church, Lord, I pray Your will be done. I will not begrudge it. I will not complain about it. I will not murmur over it. But I will, by grace, learn to submit and to give myself holy encouragement and- Completely to your most glorious will. And Lord, teach me in Christ to submit. Teach me, oh God, to be like Jesus who submitted to your will when he walked on earth. Teach me to suffer in your name, God. Because often I suffer in my own name. See, that's where bitterness stems up and thrives. Bitterness, bitterness thrives when we feel violated in our own name. In Jesus' name, I damn you. That's the way we act. And we must learn how to really submit in the name of Christ and learn to put off bitterness. And learn to put off anger. Learn to put off that, that sinful hatred. That we often exhibit when things don't go our way. And according to our purposes. Oh brothers and sisters that we would learn to do the will of God. But not only that we would learn to do the will of God. But we would learn to do it as it is in heaven on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the Lord Jesus Christ in teaching us to submit to the will of God it says, You want to be like the angels in heaven. You want to be like the heavenly host. You want to be like those that are in the immediate presence of God praising His name, covering their eyes because they can't behold His glory. That they all they do is sworn day and night crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Waiting for our Lord's direction, waiting for our Lord to send them on an errand and a mission, and they do so with the greatest vigor and passion and zeal anyone can muster up. Oh Lord, make us like the angels in heaven who thrive and feast upon obeying your will. Wow, so much brothers and sisters we need right so many things we need in our own lives i mean i want to as we look at this petition brothers and sisters i think it's important for us to understand the connection between prayer prayer and the will of god you know a lot of people pray a lot of people pray And there's a lot of praying that is never connected with doing the will of God. It's not about obeying God. It's not about about glorifying God in our obedience. It's about giving me what I want or, or making me feel better about myself. And we pray, and all that prayer often does is just a reminder of how good we really think we are. But, well, brothers and sisters, listen to me. Let's look at some passages of Scripture to help us with this. In fact, as a means of grace, look at Colossians 1. As a means of grace, prayer is a certain means of grace. That we ought to be praying as... I mean, we ought to be praying. We ought to be a people of prayer. But brothers and sisters, one of the things we ought to be asking God to do is glorify His name, expand His kingdom, and teach me His most holy will. Look at verse 9 of Colossians 1. For this reason, Paul says, since the day we heard of it, we have not Cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Notice that prayer. Paul says, I as an apostle of Jesus Christ, as a pastor and shepherd of the Lord's sheep, I do not cease praying that God show you his will. That God give you knowledge and spiritual understanding. But look at verse 10. Notice, this is the reason that Paul prays this. And without it, you can't do it. Look at verse 10. "...so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing and increasing in the knowledge of God." Look at that. A direct connection between prayer, the will of God, and walking with God and bearing fruit. You can't, you cannot, brothers and sisters, only pray, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. That's paganish, that's humanistic ish praying. We are to pray that God would hallow His name. We are to pray that God would further His kingdom because His kingdom is the best of kingdoms. We are to pray that His will be done in us. First of all, brothers and sisters, in you, in you, in you. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror right now because when you pray, you need to pray for yourself. You need to pray, Oh God, help me know and understand and do your will. Husbands, pray for yourself before you pray for your wife. Wives, pray for yourselves before you pray for your husbands. Children, pray for yourselves before you pray for your friends. Pastor, pray for yourself before you pray for your congregation. Congregation, pray for yourselves before you pray for your pastor. Oh, we want the pastor to obey the will of God. Pastor goes, I want the people to obey the will of God. Yeah. I'm okay. If you really are concerned about your friends, your neighbor, your wife, your husband, your pastor, your congregation, your work, uh, your, your friends at work and all of those things, look, learn to pray. Oh Lord, thy will be done in me. See, that's cleaning the speck out of your eye so that you can see the so you can, you know, that's cleaning, the, excuse me, the plank out of your eye so you can see to get the speck out of your brother's eye. Let's read more. It's a direct connection between prayer, walking with God, and bearing fruit and increasing in the knowledge of God. Brothers and sisters, I, 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 these are, this, this golden chain in this is Paul saying, look, as we bear fruit, guess what? Our knowledge of God increases. Oftentimes when we become stagnant in our Christian growth, it's because we no longer in our hearts want to know anymore about God. We think we know enough. And what we'll, we do know, we're not even practicing. And yet we think, if I just knew a little more, if I could just have different circumstances, if I could just make more money, if I just had a different woman, a different man, blah, 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 I would just be a better Christian. No. First, it's a heart condition to God. That's why John wrote in the church of Ephesus in the first century, right? Return to your first love. Right? Repent of your sins. Return to your first love. And guess what? God is going to bless you. God With what? With knowledge. With understanding. Oh, now I see. I see my eyes are opened. Because now my heart has been rent And I'm humble before Him. Before, I really didn't want to know. Because I don't want to do it. And we, that's a stubbornness we exhibit. A stubbornness we exhibit. There's a connection between our humility, receiving God's will and sincerity, beginning to put it in practice. That's what it means to bear fruit. Bearing fruit is putting it into practice. And often the times, the reason we don't know anymore, can do anymore, or even be any better is because in our hard, 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 hard hearts, we don't really want to know anymore. Because this passage tells us as we do these things, guess what? It increases. The more we walk with God, the more we love Him, the more we want to know about Him, the more He says, I'll give you more. You appreciate it. And you're going to bear more fruit. Verse 11, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all, look, steadfastness. Notice that. Do we lack steadfastness, patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light? Oh, there's so much there. We've got to move on. But I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, that this this praying in God's will and our obedience is vital. It's vital. It's essential. It's necessary. It is so, so, so important to our own Christian growth and perseverance and usefulness. Now, what makes prayer needed Um, and necessary or what makes prayer so valuable and I guess essential God's will God's will why because we're to pray according to God's will we are to pray that God's will be done we ought to pray that it ought to be done in us and in everyone around us that is there is this there is this sincerity in this this um desire to see God's will bring come forth in our lives in a deeper richer way how do I how do I show you Well go back to Matthew go back to Matthew look at Matthew 7 Now, before I, I say what I'm going to say on about Matthew 7, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount in its whole, it's in the Gospel of Matthew, which is the Gospel of the Kingdom of God. I mean, Matthew is the, the one that speaks of this more than any other. Okay? Okay? And Matthew sets forth in the Sermon on the Mount that the kingdom of God, the the kind of righteousness the kingdom of God has is in it. And when you go and you read the Sermon on the Mount, he's he's putting down that self-righteousness and he's promoting that righteousness that comes from our union with Christ. His righteousness in us, but also that righteousness in our lives coming through us and bearing fruit of righteousness. That Christ imputed righteousness becomes our righteousness and is our righteousness. And how is that? Because we walk by the will of God. We walk by the the revealed Word of God. That is, yes, His providence, but also His what? His commandments, His, His precepts, His statutes, His Word. That is, we ought to pray that His will be done in our lives. We pray for submission to His providence and we pray for obedience to His commandments. Obedience. Lord, give me obedience. Give me a desire to obey. But look, look at Matthew 7, and this is sort of an encapsulates the end of it. it. It encapsulates the end of it. That is, in the kingdom of heaven, how do, we, how do we know we're in the kingdom of heaven? How do we know we're in the kingdom of God? Those are synonymous terms. How do we know? And how do we know we're going to go into the kingdom of glory? That's eternal life. Jesus helps us with this in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That is this kingdom of glory. But he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. Notice that there's a direct connection between the kingdom of God and the will of God. Being a son and daughter of God in Christ, being a a sister and brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a direct connection between that person and the will and the practice of God in eternity. If there is a a a promise of eternity. It only comes to those who are willing to obey their Heavenly Father on earth. There is no connection between the next life and this as far as eternal living, as far as eternity with Christ. There's no connection if there is no obedience to His heavenly will. And Jesus is teaching us this. He says there are going to be many that are confused about this. Many have missed it. They've missed it. And why did they miss it? Notice what he says. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name cast out demons. In your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, Jesus is indicating here that there are those who are very, very religious. There are those who are in the business of casting out demons, if you will. They're in the religion business. But guess what? Jesus says, I don't know you. And there's a reason. Don't miss this. There's a reason. And don't miss it. I beg you. The reason Jesus says, I don't know you, is because you don't do the will of my Father who is in heaven. I obey the will of my Father. Jesus teaches us in John 4, John 6, and John 9, I came to do the will of my Father who is in heaven. My meat and drink, my food, is to do His heavenly will. I come not with my own judgments. I come with the judgments of my Father. I come to speak his will that's what jesus said and there's a connection brothers and that's the context isn't it i mean jesus has already taught us before the prayer about praying in a hypocritical manner about praying insincerely and now he teaches us look there's gonna be many lord lord i mean there's gonna be all this religiosity that's gonna be damned in the end it's going to be condemned and damned why because it never was united and married to a loving obedience oh to god brothers and sisters be careful oftentimes we just do the bare minimum we do the bare minimum because, well, we want eternal life. But what's the least I can do? Does that sound like the angels in heaven to you who sit at God's beck and call? It does not. Does that sound like the prophets of the Old Testament? Does it sound like Abraham who left his home of Ur to go were to go to a land that God would show him? See, there's a connection, brothers and sisters, between obeying the will of God and praying. Let's look at some more. Um, 1 John 5. First John 5. <clears throat> Look at verse um, 13 and 14. I'm going to read those two verses. Now pay attention and make the connections as you read with me. He says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Now, John completely ties into this idea of answered prayer, knowing him, knowing him. But brothers and sisters, there can be no knowing of God without obedience. That's what Jesus just said in Matthew 7. I don't know you. I don't know you because you don't obey my Father's commandments. Turn to John 15. Gospel of John. john 15 now john 15 as it as it begins in our bibles we have this parable of the vine well i'm not going to read the whole parable but i I want you to i want you to see the connection here i'm going to begin reading at verse 5 i am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. That is, you can't bear fruit apart from me. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I want you to see there. You see the connection, the essential nature of answered prayer and obedience. And we have to admit that there could possibly be a lot of unanswered prayers in our lives because we're obedient, disobedient because we don't listen because number one we don't have a heart for the the, the laws of god we don't have a, a heart to obey we don't want to know anymore we already may have the mindset it's already drudgery i have to do this i have to do that i have to look this way i mean you know the appeal the appeal of the world is strong right amen it's just strong in all of us right it and is, it? Listen, it is. There's an appeal to our flesh of disobedience. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But I want us to see, I want us to see a connection, that there is a connection between answered prayer. Now, that's not to say that all answered prayer means you're disobedient. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's a possibility. Peter made this comment. He says, you know, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers be not hindered. Now that's true for the wife too. It's not just true for the husband as some people like to think. Look at John 9 that's not it that's not it never I don't don't worry about that just I wrote down the wrong scripture reference so where do we go what do we need to do we've made a connection prayer is essential to christian growth we've made a connection that when we pray we ought to have a mind and a heart of obedience if not we need to ask for it that is oftentimes our prayers may need to begin with lord soften my heart to obey your will lord your will has been revealed i know what it is Lord, give me a heart for it. Give me a sensitivity to it. Give me a zeal for it. Give me a, a humility and a desire for it. Lord, make me like the angels in heaven who stand waiting to be told what to do and love carrying out Your will. Lord, make me that kind of man. Make me that kind of, of young man, boy, girl. Make me that kind of woman, pastor. Make us that kind of church. Make us a boy. Body of believers that want to do Your will. We need to pray and, and we need to ask these things. Let's look at um, one more. Matthew 13. And I'm going to hopefully be able to to at least bring this to where we can use it in our our prayers. And hopefully we've already seen some areas of improvement that, that, that we can make as we pray ourselves or with our families or that these would now change the way we would see these things. But in the parables in the parables now notice all parables are parables related to the kingdom of God. They're related to the kingdom of God. Some parables help us understand how to get into the kingdom. Okay, some parables help us understand what to do when we're in the kingdom, and some parables help us understand what the relationship of the kingdom of God is with the world. Now, look at the wheat and the tares. I'm just going to read. I'm going to read uh, twenty Matthew thirteen. I don't want to read the whole section, but Lotus, I just want to make to you that there's only one soil that bears fruit and is, that is good. And look at verse 23. And the one on whom the seed was sown on the good soil. What is the good soil? The good soil is a heart that wants to be instructed. The good soil is a heart that's been born again that's ready to receive the commandments of God. A good heart is a heart that sits at the feet of Christ and says, teach me, Master. Teach me, Lord. Teach me the man how to be the man I need to be. Teach me how to be the pastor, the husband, the wife. Teach me how to be the daughter I need to be. Teach me, Father. Teach me how to be a Christian. That's the good soil. Now notice what happens. This is the man who hears the Word and understands it. Why does he understand it? Well, he understands it because he wants to obey it. He understands it because he's blessed by God and he says, I want to know heaven. God doesn't bless people with light that don't want to do anything with it. To he who has much... Much is required. But he who has much, it will be what? Taken away and given to another. Why? Because he doesn't want to do anything with it. Let me give you an example. Who? The, the Jews. The Pharisees were given the oracles of God. Or the Jews were given the oracles of God. The Pharisees were the scribes and the keepers of the law, if you will. They didn't want to obey it. Matthew's gospel teaches us that Jesus comes to them and says listen I'm going to take away the kingdom from you and give it to another bearing the fruit thereof you didn't do anything with it and I'm going to take it away from you you've allowed satan to blind your minds second thessalonians chapter two satan has blinded your minds Because you loved your wicked ways more than you loved the words and commandments of God. And brothers and sisters, when we love, listen to me, when we love our sins more than we love the commandments of God, God often will pull back, let us have them. And we go into this downward spiral of darkness, depression, joylessness, and all of it's connected with our rebellion against God. The sower that received the good seed, brothers and sisters, notice, he hears the word, he understands it. That doesn't mean there's not anything that's hard. No, Jesus is talking about in the simplicity. He receives it, he wants to know it, he understands, he's been blessed with light. Notice. He understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. He bears fruit. Bears fruit. Now let's begin to focus on this aspect of this petition. First of all, what makes this petition such a blessing to us? Because a lot of people don't connect obedience. Obedience with blessing. Oh, we've connected with, oh, I have to. I have to do this. I don't want to. You know, like children and parents. Oh, I have to take out the trash. Or I have to do my homework. Or I've got to do school. Oh, woe is me. And then we do that as adults, don't we? I've got to go to work. I've got to do this. And I've got to do that. And all of these various things. But what is it that makes praying that God's will come, thy will be done in us, in my wife, husband, neighbor, my children, my home, my family, my church, and all of these things, what is the blessing? Well, the blessing is, well, this, brothers and sisters. First of all, the blessing is that we don't deserve it. We were once at enmity with God. We, what makes us special to be blessed to know the will of God? You see, this is an aspect of Christianity that many people have an issue with. They don't like looking at themselves in the mirror of Scripture. They all want to see themselves way better than they really and truly are. So let's go to a couple of passages of Scripture so that we might and hopefully will have a biblical view of ourselves before coming to Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 7. We know that we were by nature adverse to the will of God, adverse to the commandments of God, adverse to His glory, adverse to His name and kingdom. And we need to admit this because we are guilty of these things. Romans chapter 7. Look at verse 18. For I know, this is the Apostle Paul speaking of his pre-conversion estate, his pre-conversion experiences. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is my flesh. Nothing good dwells in me. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. Paul says before Christ... There was nothing good in me. There was nothing in me that wanted to obey the gracious commandments of God. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to reinvent God in my own image. I created idols. I still am very religious, but I never obeyed the will of God from a heart that loves Him. I did it out of duty. R- wrote wrote duty and have to Paul was part of the Jewish community they had the word of God he, Paul heard every Sabbath day the commandments of God and he never loved them he never he, he hated them he said there's nothing good in me turn to job 21 right before psalms. book we don't go to often. But look at uh, Job 21, verse 14. Now they say... Now who are they? (laughs) They are the ones that don't believe in God. That's who they are. Those are the ones that don't love God. And notice what he says. He says... They say to God, depart from us. So we do not even desire the knowledge. We do not even desire the knowledge of your ways. And see, that's who, we, that's who we were in Adam. Isn't that what Adam said? When he chose, made a choice, and we're going to talk about it tonight. When he made a choice to eat from the forbidden tree in the middle of the garden, God said, Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. Adam had a choice to not eat from it and live, and to eat from it and die. And what did he choose? He chose what Job said. He said, I choose to do my own thing. I don't want the ways of God, I don't want his understanding and Adam died and in him we died and we incurred his guilt of that transgression look at 1 Corinthians 2 That's what makes this such a blessing. It's such a blessing because, brothers and sisters, we who are now praying that God's will be done in us, that we would love it, cherish it, obey it, carry it out. Now, we were once averse to it. What a blessing. What was so foreign to us, what, what was so hateful in our eyes, what was so despicable in our eyes is now... Well, such a blessing in Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14 But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. You see, brothers and sisters, the unbeliever, the natural man, doesn't know, he doesn't understand, he doesn't delight in the things of God. He delights in his reinvention of God. He delights in His reinvention of the Ten Commandments. He may delight in His reinvention of religion. He may delight in any number of quote, 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 religious things because He reinvents them in His own head and heart. But the things of God, no. He doesn't understand them and He doesn't take delight in them. Not us who know Christ. Not us who have been born again. Remember Ezekiel 36. I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean. And I will put my law on your hearts. And I will cause you to walk. Finish it. In my ways. Amen. Praise God. I will cause you to walk in my ways. And guess what? We're going to love it. We're going to love it. Because we're doing what we were made to do glorify God and hallow his name be obedient to him so you see brothers and sisters we have a great blessing in knowing coming in contact with the will of God we were so adverse to it before but now we're close I'll mention a couple more things it's a blessing also now in our redeemed condition why? because we don't obey it perfectly do we? how inconsistent we are in our obedience, our good obedience, right? I mean, how many of us are foolish enough to offer up any of our works and say, you know what, God, this is acceptable. This is good enough. Would you do that? Would you take any good deed that you have performed in the last week, two weeks, month, year, and say, Lord, you're going to be pleased with this one? This one stands on its own merit and is worthy to give me praise. No, we won't do that. Why? Because even our best deeds are, are, are what? Tainted with selfishness, inconsistency. What we do today, we probably won't do tomorrow. And what we do today and tomorrow, maybe for a week, we don't do for a month. The zeal we have on on the Lord's Day is not the zeal we have on the rest of the week. So why is it a blessing? It's a blessing, beloved, because we know that what we're talking about here in Thy will be done is that gospel obedience in Christ. Christ has given Himself up for us. He has has cleansed us. And our, our obedience goes through Him to God. He sanctifies us in Himself. Now I hope, listen to me, I hope that Jesus has just become precious to you, more precious to you. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the irreconcilable war between a Christian and the flesh. And we struggle doing consistently do godly things. We struggle consistently loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And we, str- you know, we struggle. We often love ourselves more than we love God or, or, or express a love for ourselves over our neighbor. We often aren't willing to sacrifice and do these things. And yet, Paul writes in, in Romans, now t- turn there with me, I want you to put your eyes on this. I want you to understand your sanctification. I want you to understand your duty, brothers and sisters. I want you to see the blessing we have in Christ. That yes, we're not offering up, Lord. That is, these blessings are not dependent solely on our obedience, but they are sanctified in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet we maintain the duty to love and to and, and to. To express joy and thanksgiving for these things. Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Look at verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think as but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Okay, let's conclude with this. It's hard to have a high estimation of yourself when you see yourself in Scripture of once being such a rebel. It's hard, isn't it? We don't deserve it. The Bible tells us that we were once part of the family of Satan, Ephesians 2, that we once performed the deeds of the flesh. But God, but God, who was rich in mercy, saved us in Christ Jesus. To do, verse 10, that we might walk in the good works set aside for us from the foundation of the world. is we're talking about a gospel obedience. An obedience that comes out of the the grace and the mercy of God in Christ Jesus who has saved us and, and renewed our hearts, made us new creatures, that we can now what? Have the mindset to what? Lord, give me a humility to receive Your Word. Give me a zeal, a faithfulness, A joy, a diligence, a sincerity. Lord, give me a constancy uh, related to Your Word. Lord, because I am fragile. But I'm born again in Christ. I'm born again. I desire to glorify and hallow your name. But Father, I need your will to be done in my life. And I need joy. Give me the joy of obedience. Let me not perform your word and do your word in a way that someone would look at me and go, And that's Christianity, you say? Wow. What did Paul tell the Jews in Romans? The church is blasphemed because of you. You had the oracles of God. And do you who preach do not steal? Do you steal? Do you who preach against immorality, are you immoral? For this reason, the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. You see, brothers and sisters, when we pray this petition, we're not just praying, oh Lord, give us obedience. We're praying, Lord, give me a joy when I obey that lights up the world. That lights up my home. I still think one of the greatest blessings that a parent, a husband, and a wife can give their children is joy in the obedience of God. They love to do it. But when they see the parents stomping their feet, dragging their feet to obey God, they will do the same thing. Paul says, not only does Paul write and say that we would prove what the will of God is, but he also says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Don't be foolish according to the will of God. Don't be foolish. Know what it is. Know what God's will is concerning every relationship you have. Know what God says about it. Know what God says about your church. What does, what does the Bible say? What does God say about worship? What does God say about the Lord's Day? What does God say about His Word? Do you believe that? He's, he's, all these things. And I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with this. Brothers and sisters, as, I'm, as I preach to you this morning, I want to exalt Christ to you. Despite our past, we are now children of God. And despite our inconsistency, He is still right here saying, I'll bless you. Pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when you ask, what is he saying, John? Ask anything according to the will of God and it will be given to you. What do you, what do you think God's going to do, brother, when you ask him for the zeal of angels? Nah. You don't. Lord, give me a joy when I, to obey your word. Nah. What did Matthew teach us about prayer? He says, who's going to ask the Father? For something good, and he give them a snake now when we ask our heavenly Father for that which is according to his will, guess what he gives it do you want the zeal of angels do you want constancy do you want joy in your obedience do you want a faithfulness that is Unlike what you've experienced in the past. Do you want that? Set your mind and heart to obey the will of God as he shows it to you. And he will give it to you. Pray, brothers and sisters. I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray.